This is Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection, the podcast that talks direct with retailers about all things loss prevention, with your host, Nicole Smith. Did you know that the Profit Protection Future Forum is the only not-for-profit industry body promoting the interests of retail loss prevention professionals in Australia and New Zealand? there and welcome to the show. On today's episode, I'm joined by Veronica Denner, Group Head of Loss and Risk at APG and Co, Mark Boyd, Head of Profit Protection at Next Death Leisure, and Neil Redfern, Managing Director at Redfern Retail Risk. All three of our guests are on the steering committee for the PPFF, so it's great to talk to you all again, and I hope you're all safe and well, and thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. So, Veronica, APG and Co has been in hibernation for around six weeks. Mark, JD Sports have stayed open, glue closed. Neil, retailers that you've been working with, some have stayed open, others have closed. And slowly we're starting to see restrictions um, are being lifted and we're starting to see people out and about and back into centres shopping again. So I wanted to talk to you all about the strategy of coming out of hibernation and how you plan to motivate and lift your teams back to where they used to be and also want to talk about what is the new business as usual. So I'll start with you, Veronica. Your brands have been in hibernation for, are you six weeks now or eight weeks? Yeah, about, about six weeks. Yeah. So what's the strategy? And you're, you've just started to open stores uh, late last week and coming into this week? Yes. So um, we've taken on the staggered approach. We actually started to man our DJ stores a couple of weeks ago. Um, so as you know, DJs have, have traded all the way through, um, but we've pulled our staff um, out of there. So, so we um, put them into phases. Uh, phase one, we had like 10 DJ stores remanned. Um, and now we're doing that the same thing with our freestand stores. So we started to open them last week as well. Uh-huh. Um, and there's, a, and there's a, a few opening this week as well. So uh, a staggered approach, very cautious, obviously WHS considered because we can't, uh, we can't trade without all the safety measures in place. Uh-huh. But, yeah, that's a, basically. So how did you come up with what stores were going to open first as opposed to the ones that are uh, coming on board last? Um, so a lot of a lot of it is to do with our lease agreements, uh-huh. um, and then we look at you know um, flagship stores like uh, last week was our Mother's Day weekend. Uh, Mother's Day is our, like our Christmas, so you know we tried to um, make sure our flagship stores were open, uh-huh. stores that do really well over over that weekend. Um, but yeah, depends on the area as well. So all of that is taken into consideration. And so what were some of the OH&S measures that you have put in place as part of your strategy? OMG, where do I start? <laughs> that has consumed my life in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, so there's, we did care packs for the stores. So we, we made a care pack for each store um, and each concession pad. So the care packs included um, their hand sanitizers, their gloves, their masks, their surface sprays, their surface wipes, their masking tape to mark the floor, you know, measuring tapes to measure the distances, um, signage to go all, all over the store, social distancing signs, um, all of that uh, went into a pack for each store and a lot of instructions and a lot of um, guidance to our store teams. Uh-huh. 
So, yeah, that's what I've been busy doing. And, of course, we don't have the team in the office to be able to pack these packs, so it's been me. (laughs) Is that in your garage you're doing that? (laughs) (laughs) No, I've been coming into the office a couple of days a week just to make sure the packs go out to stores. Okay. And, Mark, you've been trading, particularly with JD Sports, and Glue came back a little bit earlier than most. So you've been trading over the last uh, six to eight weeks. Tell me, what does it look like for your business and loss prevention within your business within the next month? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, we've been very fortunate I guess um, to stay open, the, the traders supported us now, online businesses supported us through that. But I think for the next few months, um, we're trying to get, I guess we're trying to get back to normal uh, or some kind of new normal, if you want to call it. And um, we've designed uh, like a mini compliance check for compliance to COVID 19 processes in the stores so you know we're walking into the stores is the hand sanitizer at the front of the store is it full you know uh are the staff wearing gloves where they're cash handling I, I, you know all of these things you know that, that the new the stores are that are currently opening are putting into place we've had in place for a number of weeks so you know signage on the shop signage on the floor so we've developed almost a, a compliance if you want to look to to COVID-19 best practice um uh, so that's part of the, the profit protection manager's role now going into stores. Um, we're also looking at actually to start stock taking again, um, believe it or not. So from the 27th of uh, May, we're starting our sort of uh, stock take program again. So I think that will provide us with some valuable insights into you know, questions that have been asked recently. I'm sure we all have and how has this affected shrink? Mm-hmm. So that's going to really give us a bit of an understanding of actually how has it affected shrink so we can see um, measure between the two counts of, 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 you know, have we seen an increase in shrinkage or have we not? We know we've seen an increase in incidents, but how badly has that affected our, our shrinkage, especially with less delivery areas coming through because we've had no deliveries for six weeks as well. So what we'll see is a purely internal, external effect on our shrinkage. So, Neil, given that um, Mark's sort of gone through the the short term, what's happening in the next month, talk to me about what your customers are doing over the next six and 12 months. So, as we start, as restrictions start to ease, um, you know, hopefully we don't have too many more outbreaks um, and customers, that social distancing where um, the 1.5 metres is forgotten and we and we did see it over the weekend last weekend what what are your clients saying to you about what what happens what do they look like in the next six to 12 months thanks nicole um look i think it's again um just given the breadth of the retail industry and the diversity of of the retailers that sits out there um every every one of them um will take an approach that is somewhat different at some level, just depending on the nature of, of their retail business, what they service, uh, even down to things like the sale, uh, the, the, the sale um, volumes, the size of their stores, you know, their abilities to trade online, et cetera, will all govern that. Um, so I think it is will be quite a diverse time. Um, as I've mentioned previously, um, just given the pure economic hardship that sits out there, within Australia and, and more globally, um, I've been indicating that 
um, I do believe that we will see um, an increase in criminality that is affecting the retailers. Um, and that's just not going to be limited um, to the retail industry. Um, I do believe that there will be a, a percentage increase in relation to that criminal activity affecting uh, business in general. Um, so that is something that um, the retailers do need to, to very carefully plan for. As it specifically relates to the management of, of COVID-19 over the next six to 12 months, well, it, it, is, it is, again, quite early. Uh, we're still very much in the midst of everything that's going on. We are seeing um, the government at the moment easing restrictions um, in New South Wales and, and other states. Um, as, as you know from the media, Victoria is um, a little bit different and, and holding some of their restrictions longer. Um, but overall, um, we will continue um, to monitor what the government advice is um, from each state jurisdiction and have a look at um, the best preventative measures um, within those local jurisdictions. You spoke before about um, certain stores coming online and taking a staged approach. Um, a lot of that is um, also just given by um, where certain outbreaks um, have occurred or where there are pockets of outbreaks. And, and what I'm starting to see in the industry is certain retailers are bringing their stores back online in that staggered approach in, in areas that are considered very low risk, like regional um, areas within Australia, you know, ahead of um, CBD locations. So whilst those areas might not necessarily be the most profitable or the most high in sale volumes, I think the retailers, um, in conjunction with good government advice, are making appropriate decisions for their business to do it in the safest way possible. Just on the government side of things, um, the, the retail industry and, and industry in, in general is heavily supported in this area. Um, uh, there, there are numerous tools out there at the moment, uh, one of which is just um, Safe Work Australia and the various checklists that they specifically provide and toolkits that they provide retailers to give them good advice in relation to how they should manage the impact of COVID um, is critical. And that is a, just one of the resources out there that um, retailers can take advantage of um, to help them ease back into uh, some form of new normality. So when, when we spoke with Glenn Forrester last week, um, he was talking about New Zealand and he was indicating that um, possibly loss prevention will need to do more with less. Do you think that means a change of structure for loss prevention teams in the industry? Um, again, every retailer is going to be very different in this space, you know, whether they're large or whether they're small, whether they have large and complex um, loss prevention structures. Some retailers, as I've mentioned, have, have traded um, way up on, on last year just because of the nature of their businesses and what they sell. Um, there's, there's a hell of a lot of loss prevention function um, out there at the moment advertising for new fraud analysts because of the increase in volume as it relates to the online fraud um, aspects that um, retailers are trying to manage just in relation to the sheer volumes of transactions that they're seeing. Um, and then there's the other end of the spectrum where unfortunately some retailers are doing it extremely tough and have actually had to um, go into hibernation and, and either stood down or completely uh, made loss prevention functions redundant. So it is a very wide uh, spectrum of um, different issues and measures that have been taken organisation by organisation um, and there doesn't appear to be any consistency in the approach at this stage. 
So, Mark, I would think that coming up to the next sort of six months and, and as Neil was saying before, with uh, the government payments uh, starting to ease and slow down around that September time, loss prevention, I'm guessing, is going to be kind of a, a critical role for a lot of retailers and their businesses. Is that a yeah, fair comment? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. I, I, th- I think um, you might find people, um, you know, will think that criminality, certainly we've seen an increase in violent and threatening behaviour incidents, um, and now we're also starting to see um, an increase in, in you know, straight-up theft. So I think, um, you know, people that have, you know, unfortunately been stood down and lost their roles could find themselves back in, in business in, in the next few months. And I think I think a lot of, you know, I've been hearing a lot of people talking about, you know, oh, we might not recover after this, but I actually think the, the economy will recover quicker maybe than we, than we actually think. Um, but I think, yeah, I think um, certainly for us um, at JD, we're very fortunate that we've, that, that um, we've been, you know, saved or kept on, and we're able to contribute, and we're able to to show the value that the profit protection or the loss prevention teams can add to the business, um, and that's really helped us. So, why do you think the economy will bounce back better than what others think it might? I just think the more stores, the more restrictions are lifted quicker, and uh, the more businesses return back to normal. I think things will get back to normal quicker than it would be if we were sitting here waiting until September, October before we could lift basic restrictions. Yeah, agreed. That's why I think it will get better. So, Veronica, I'm seeing a lot of commentary about people being anxious now about leaving their homes after extended periods of time. Um, And I'm just wondering how, for your teams and your staff going back into store, how do you make them feel comfortable? How do you motivate them to back to where they used to be? How do you inspire them to come back after a long break in such a a time where a lot of us are scared? Mm. So uh, in general, I think um, we all need to think outside the box. Um, and not our normal duties. I think, you know, if your if your LP role doesn't in, include some sort of WHSC, will definitely now. Um, so that term work smarter, not harder, is more relevant now than ever. Um, you need to be willing to expend your role and contribute to other operational functions. I just think we all need to be multitaskers now. It's never going to be the same again. And like you said, you know, um, some businesses are running lean and mean. We've always been like that. So it's only me and one other person here in, um, in, in LP and risk. Uh, so, you know, we know all about it. But I think moving forward, um, especially for our business, we're looking into, you know, being having to do audits in stores as a thing of the past. So we're actually currently now looking at how we could do audits differently. Um, and, you know, although presence in store is, is important for LP, but we just need to think, go about it a different way um, and how we're doing, we're motivating and inspiring, um, you know, the, the two of us uh, uh-huh. is that we're, we're keeping ourselves involved. So we, we involve each other on, in, on ideas and thoughts on how we can do this better and a little bit different. So always involve them in, um, in your discussions, involve them in finding a solution as to how we go, go about it and how we work around it. Um, I think that's important. Mark, what about for you and your teams? How, how, how are the guys from Glue coping coming back to work? And is there any feeling of anxiety within the team? 
Yeah, I think there has been. Um, a lot of it's localised to certain areas, I think, or certain stores. We've got one store in particular that we're really struggling for people to come back to work for that particular store. Um, but others have come back. Um, others have come back okay. I think it's been a bit of a struggle to get them in um, just from a, uh, a what's changed perspective in terms of you late, you know, we should be closed six weeks ago um, because of safety or, you know, uh, concerns around this six weeks later, you know, asking me to come back to work um, what's changed. So I think that's been quite a difficult conversation with some of the HR managers, and obviously the retail teams in particular to get these people or managers back into stores. And it's, um, you know, they've had to design much the same as Veronica's doing now, you know, a whole COVID-19 pack um, to say, well, this is how we're going to keep you safe in stores. Um, And all of that has to be put in place first before uh, managers are comfortable to come back to work. Um, But we've seen, we've seen them over the last, and we take the same approach as as Veronica's stores did, where we had a staggered approach and, uh, did five stores a week to test the water to make sure that it was okay. And as we did that, more and more opened. And I guess the other thing is more and more retailers are opening now. So um, people are obviously sitting there saying, well, you know, every other retailer is open now, or vast majority of them open now, which then gives a bit more confidence for those for those teams to come back to work. And Neil, what sort of solutions are you seeing that are being put into place by retailers to manage the social distancing? Because, um, you know, people are getting out and about. Some people don't care about social distancing. Some people, you know, it's hard for stores to manage if they don't have security guards in place. Um, and in particular over that the last weekend where it was Mother's Day, we, we did see that in certain centres. So what are you seeing in the marketplace with uh, the different solutions that retailers are putting in place to manage social distancing? Yeah, there's um, a really wide variety. And I think, and, and I'll just start by saying that um, I, I really do believe just from my observations that the retailers out there and, and the retailing community has been doing an exceptional job at keeping their uh, customers and their team members um, healthy as best they can uh, mm-hmm. throughout this crisis. So just walking through some of the shopping centres and, and looking at the level of investment of support and just the different things that they're all doing. Um, it's been an amazing effort um, by all concerns. So I just wanted to take my hat off to the retailers for what they've done to date. Um, but as far as diversity goes, um, the diversity out there um, has actually been pretty sensible. So um, depending on what the retailer represents, as I mentioned, the size and scale of their business, the criticality of their business uh, in the marketplace, whether it be a supermarket that's responsible for feeding the community or or whether it's um, less non-essential retailers, um, they've, all, they've all applied um, a, a various layer um, of controls um, suitable to their environment. Some of them have, have taken, um, you know, implemented, I guess, the basic of, a, of, of the government health advice um, related to the social distancing, you know, examples of floor markings within the stores, um, sneeze guards around point of sales um, um, have been quite noticeable in, in, the, in the supermarket 
supermarket environments um, and, and other retailers. Um, a hell of a lot of um, hard surface cleaning and disinfecting, um, uh, way above and beyond um, what they would normally be doing. Provision of hand sanitizers um, and even other strategies that have, have been out there around uh, non-acceptance of cash became um, quite popular amongst the retailers um, as they moved into a more um, e-commerce uh, uh, mindset. Um, and obviously the communication with the customers and the staff and the signage has all been really critically important around spreading those messages. But but I think that as time's progressed and as we see just the sheer nature of this crisis and the, the amount of community awareness, um, so much of the community is doing a fantastic job just around taking responsibility for themselves um, when they're visiting retail environments. You see them somewhere in masks. You see some of them extremely passionate about social distancing. I know when I go for my daily walk, um, you know, People don't want to come anywhere near me, so they, they take a, a real wide berth. I'm not quite sure if that's COVID-related, but anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that the community in general um, is taking this very seriously and being very responsible, and I think it's a great testament to how both retail and the broader community are coming together. And I think that there's a layer of um, patience there and understanding. Um, I was listening to what Mark was saying around aggression um, and crime and absolutely um, definitely seeing that across the retailers and it's um, unfortunately quite present, um, but it is still the minority. Um, majority of customers um, and people interacting with our retail businesses are doing the right thing, um, but unfortunately in any times like this we do see uh, the adverse incidents increase and we do need to take uh, reasonable steps to manage those problems. Do you think that for retailers that are doing the bare minimum as far as their health and safety of protecting their staff and customers, as opposed to the retailers that go completely, uh, I don't want to say over the top, but, you know, they, they put every measure in place that they can, do you think uh, that will instill confidence for shoppers to come back into stores? So the ones that are doing going above and beyond will bring a confidence for their customers to return to their stores as opposed to the ones that might just have a hand sanitizer out the front of the store or at the doorway um, where customers might be less confident in coming to the store? Well, totally. Um, you know, we've, we've all seen it in the media. Um, most of the media um, or negative media happens when the customers have a perception that there is no appropriate level of control or consideration um, for their health and safety and well-being. Um, and, and, and whilst I mentioned it is the, the, the minority um, and, and the, the odd occasion, um, it, it has still happened. Um, yeah, in a variety of um, retail settings around the world, um, we've we've seen it in the media, and we've seen some poor behaviour in the media. Um, but I think it really comes back to, um, as you said, the customers will definitely have a sense of um, safety if they see retailers. Um, applying appropriate controls um, and they need to be highly visible um, controls based on, on, on the retailer that uh, is, is 
is uh, being uh, visited by that customer. And, and I think that it is very important from a brand perspective because um, every retailer is obviously concerned about um, their brand and protection of their brand as well as their team members and their, their customers and stakeholders um, that they do apply an uh, appropriate level of control. So I've noticed that when I've been out and about in shopping centres that um, it seems to be the retailer's responsibility as far as their safety measures go. Um, Is there a reason why, I might throw this to you, Mark, is there a reason why maybe the centres aren't doing anything or doing as much as what they should? Yeah, yeah, this is a subject close to my heart. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we've spoken to, um, in it, it, when we started to open, obviously the JD store started to get busier and, and we started actually to get back to normal levels of footfall quite quickly. Um, now, this caused a problem with us with queues outside the store because we were managing the queue in the store. We were imagine, managing all of that. But what that's led us to have is a problem outside the lease line. And we went to the certain you know, shopping centre managers and asked them the question, what are you doing? Um, and we were met with very blank faces to, um, as to, to, to say, well, we don't, nothing, basically. We, we had no, they didn't, we didn't feel that they had any plan to manage queuing outside the stores. And it was very much left to us to come up with our own devices. So we had to come up very quickly with a whole plan of how we were going to manage people queuing at the stores, especially at the weekends where we were having 50, 60 people queue up outside the store. Um, so we, we came up with this, with a, with a plan. We went back to them and said, we want to do this. Uh, and all they said was, yeah, fine. So I, I don't feel that the shopping centres uh, are really taking any responsibility or ownership for anything that happens outside the lease line. And why are they not... Um, you know why are they not managing the entrances to the store uh, to the shopping centres to sub groups? Why are they not doing something uh, other than um, all they do? You know, we've had an incident in one of our stores last week, last weekend in another state actually. Um, the, the shopping centre manager came down and started absolutely losing it to the to the front of the the poor assistant manager who's trying their best to manage the, a queue outside the shop. Now we, you know, we had to then smooth it over with them, but it just shows that they've got no, they're not taking any accountability or responsibility, in my opinion, for, for managing anything outside the stores. So I wonder why, though, because all other businesses, whether it's retail or not, are putting strategies in place to come out of COVID and to um, to make sure that everyone is safe and um, and feels safe and healthy. So I'm perplexed as to why they don't seem to be doing it. I don't know. Well, I mean, their, their answer is to give us signage to put on the shop floor, on the floor. Uh, and, and that's literally all we've had. Some shopping centres have been really good. Uh, um, the smaller branded ones have been quite good. Others haven't. And, and they've been very supportive and the security teams have helped us out. Some, uh, the vast majority haven't. And what we've had to do is get our own bollards out. We've had to put our own branded signage on the floor at 1.5 metres. We've had to get, um, uh, you know, a, a train the, the team member at the front. We've got the, or a security guard, depending on where we've had issues with violence before, um, to stand at the queue, manage the queue. And now we've even have to have, um, now we've then found that we have to have a way of managing the amount of people in the queue outside. So now we're saying, well, now we we can't have more than X amount of people in the queue outside because that will be contravening guidelines. 
so we have to manage that so so we've had to come up with this process we've had to then come up with another you know a, a pack to say this is how you manage the front of, of your stores because we've done it all ourselves um and then the shopping centers doesn't seem they don't seem to really be in my opinion don't want to know um, so i'll be curious to know if anyone else is having any any other issues with it Monica, are you having similar type issues Oh, we've only we've only just started to open, so and you know um, we we haven't seen any of that. And I agree with Mark. You know the centres are not helping at all um, to manage the queues outside. And yes, we have had some centres offer us signage um, to put on the floors for queuing, uh, but that's about it. Um, unfortunately, is that we don't sell trainers and 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 shoes and stuff like that. So um, I haven't seen we haven't seen the crowds that you have. But, um, you know, we also have a much more mature target market too. So, you know, our, our customers aren't as um, young and um, daring as... <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, we, haven't seen, we haven't seen major problems um, with our brands, but you never know. Because we're seeing up in um, Asia in particular, we're seeing a lot of the shopping centres, before you enter the shopping centre, you've got to have a temperature check. So I don't know if any if that is going to happen here. Um, in Europe, it's more about occupancy, uh, and they I feel like that they are using that um, 1.5 meters. That the customers are abiding by that and and doing that patiently. Um, so I don't, I don't know whether we're going to see temperature checks here in Australia or over in New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, if you get a temperature check, it should be done at the shopping centre front. And uh, our, our stores in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur, are the same. So the, the shopping centre uh, has cameras set up at each front of the store, uh, the shopping centres to monitor temperature coming in. Obviously, if somebody slips through there, the individual stores are doing the hand temperature as well. And if somebody has a temperature, they have to write it in a log sheet and we have to take all their details, which has to be passed on. Um Look, do we do, do I think we'll see that here? I don't think so because of the low friction rates and the low transmission rates, personally. Um, but I have seen one major retailer actually I was out on the weekend. One major uh, retailer I did see was actually temperature checking every single person as they come into the store. But and and giving the masks that they had to put on. Yeah, I I, I, I think it's great. Look, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that um, at all. But I. My question would be, how do you manage that in terms of, um, you know, if some, you can have a, temp, a high, high temperature for any reason whatsoever. The, you, you know, what are you going to say to someone? And where's the threshold? So, you know, if your normal temperature is, I don't know, 37.5 or whatever it is, where, where's the range there that says that you, you've got a high temperature and then are you not allowed in the store? What, what happens? Where do you go? And, and what happens to that person? Do you just not let them in? Where does, does it get reported? I, I don't understand... No, I don't really understand that. I, 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 you know what I mean? I think that could be quite confrontational from, uh, especially if you've got someone on the door who's having to do that and um, and they're having to say to someone, no, sorry, you can't come in. That, that can be quite confrontational. We've heard in um, China that for people that do have a high temperature, they get reported to the police and they go on two weeks um, isolation. Yeah, but have it, I mean, that person's probably been walking around the shopping centre half a day before they get into your shop. So how is that? <laughs> they could have been in contact with millions of people without even knowing it. And they might just have a mild, you know, uh, cold. Um, yeah. and, and, and how does that person feel 
when they're in the front of a queue of a lot of people, having a temp and then tell you can't come in, you've got high temperature. Yeah. People have been stood next to that person in the queue. It's going to, you know, you can, end up, you can end up with a person getting lynched just for, for that. It's just, personally, I think it's a bit much, but um, I can understand why people are doing it. Neil, are you hearing anything different in the market? No, look, um, I, I sympathise with both sides of the fence here. I think it's a really complex challenge. Um, I've, you know, just walking the, the shopping centres over the weekend, I saw some of the examples that were just talked about. Um, you know, uh, a good number of retailers just had very basic controls in place and they were controlling occupancy and they were doing that well. Um, but that resulted in quite a, you know, a queue of, 20 or 30 people outside the store, down a, down a car park wall um, and then snaked around into a different part of the, the shopping centre. I also saw um, probably the, the higher end of control being um, security guards uh, managing queues in a bollard section outside of the store, which well and truly went into the, the mall area. Uh, had quite a number of people within it um, and they they were controlling that well but they were also doing hand sanitization they were handing out masks and they're also doing uh, customer temperature checks uh, before they allowed a very small number of people to enter the store at any given time um, so again um, a lot of different controls but I think that as time progresses we will start to see um, a lot more of the technologies come into place. Um, you, you already see it in the in you know just the advertising that's going on in the industry at the moment about the the wide variety of solutions that relates to temperature checking of individuals, whether it be through um, RF or or thermal imaging associated products um, are, are becoming more prevalent. Um, and again, I think it's all going to come back down to each and every other retailer and, and their business around their risk tolerance level um, and, and the criticality of their operations. For example, if they're managing a large distribution centre um, and an outbreak could shut that down uh, and cause quite a a, a large uh, issue within the community around non-supply. Um, naturally, those those sorts of locations do need to take a lot more diligence and invest in appropriate controls. Absolutely, Veronica, have you had to put any temporary strategies into effect now that your bricks and mortar stores are starting to open? Is there anything that um, you know you you possibly foresee will only be a short-term strategy um, before or once restrictions are lifted, then that will no longer be in play? Uh, pretty much um, a lot of our WHS measures. Uh, so, as you know, we have to have uh, a lot of safety measures in place. Um, so we're instructing our teams to wipe down hard surfaces and frequently touch surfaces every hour. Um, so they do have a cleaning checklist at the moment that they need to um, um, adhere to. Um, and then obviously the fitting rooms as well. So we've made a decision to um, open our fitting rooms. Some businesses haven't, um, but we have. And um, to be able to do that, we are instructing the teams to wipe down the fitting rooms and the, the doors, the hooks, the handles um, after every customer. So all of these really, um, you know, pedantic cleaning measures um, a temporary 
Um, and, and they'll be relieved once more. <laughs> they don't need to clean every hour. Um, but yeah, so definitely all that, all the, um, all the in-store cleaning and, you know, back of house as well. So um, for a lot of them, they have their lunches in the back room. So they need to wipe down the tables and chairs after, after they've um, been on there. So yeah, there's a, yeah, a lot of the cleaning stuff. Mark, is that the same for you? Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with Veronica. I think the in-store cleaning stuff will, will, will you know, still need to happen, but maybe in a scale, in a scale back version. Um, I think gloves, you know, handling cash with gloves eventually will can can go. Um, the main things I actually think I think was maybe the queue management, obviously, eventually. Um, you know, in terms of the occupancy stuff, will eventually fade away and we'll get back to normal. How long that is, I, I continue. Um, but I think that will go back to normal. Um, I think, but I, I, I think, well, I think hand sanitization stations and things like that will stay um, for, for, for a considerable amount of time um, because people have bought them, so they're going to have to use them. Um, otherwise, they're going <laughs> to sit in a warehouse somewhere getting the uh, getting um, dust. Getting dusty, and we go. Why did we buy them? Um, no, so I think things like that will will continue, and I just think that's actually a, a very good thing. Um, but I think, yeah, as to Veronica's point, I think that the amount and the re- cleaning regimes will will be scaled right back. How long do you How long do you think the sneeze screens will be up for? Uh, I actually, I, you know, I, I, in my local supermarket, I think they're amazing. Um, where I go, I, I actually think you I, I would if I was a, if it was up to me, I would keep them. Um, to be honest, uh, because they actually will double as a good, um, you know, anti anti till snatch screen and things like that, and, and you know robberies and, and stuff like that. So I actually think there's a, quite a good benefit of those screens. Uh, and, and Neil will probably be able to talk a bit more to that. But I actually looking at looking at it in my local suit. I love it. I think they're really good. I think they should probably stay personally. But it yeah. doesn't seem to work in a fashion retailer, to be honest. Um, some of our stores. I've got them and it's a little bit weird, but I, and then managers don't even like them. So um, I think um, I think supermarkets, I think is fantastic. Other retailers, I, I don't think they will last very long. Neil, any anything from you? Uh, probably tend to agree with Mark. I think it's it's very much going to come down to that the the traffic volume at POS and and what what they're um, they're dealing with. I think you know in the in in the the pharmacy space. I think it's very relevant. You know, um, it it um, it's an industry where you know they're dealing uh, directly with with those sorts of contamination risks on a, on a very regular basis. So I think that, again, I think as time progresses and government advice evolves and uh, we see what is uh, occurring in the industry around what becomes normality, around how retailers trade and, and what's acceptable, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that, that pans out. But at the moment, um, it's certainly got some legs. And um, it, it's certainly something that is um, retailers are seeing as a viable solution um, to better uh, protect their staff that are at a point of sale for extended periods of time. So obviously, as stores start to open and people start to get out and about, we are going to see an increase in theft within stores. What support, uh, Veronica, does loss prevention need out in the field for those stores? What, what do the stores need to do for you to help manage that shrink or that, that theft? Um, so like I said, uh, um, David Jones has stayed open this whole time. So I'm really not looking forward to looking at uh, what my David Jones sock tanks will look like. <laughs> um, 
because our pads have been unmanned in David Jones um, in all of them. So, yeah, that's a bit scary. Um, look, it's it, it's ongoing. So it, I'm not sure it's going to be any anything completely dramatically different to what they're doing now. But, you know, our teams are very... Um, so we've coached them uh, with um, loss prevention tactics and techniques and um, I think a lot of um, our focus on our um, education with the teams is in regards to internal theft as well. So, you know, and given the... Uh, um, the economy, instability, normally there's a spike in internal theft as well um, because, you know, they're all under financial pressures. So we do focus um, a lot on, you know, um, looking through um, anything to prevent the internal piece. So um, that's why the audits are important. But we do we do encourage our managers to audit themselves and we, do, and we tell them, you know, doing the ESO audits is not just LP or it's not just your regional manager or your state manager to do them. Uh, we encourage our store managers to do them so then they can look into their business, um, look into this is this is what we look for um, and this is what the things that you should be looking at. Um, just to then show their teams that, you know, they're actually checking as well. It's not just once a month when LP comes in or once once a month when your regional comes to check, to check on you. It's your store manager that's actually looking into it as well. So a lot of... Um, a lot of our um, focus will be on coaching and training the teams on how to do that for themselves. And Mark, for you, what what do your stores need to do for loss prevention to manage that theft in this, like I, I'm going to call it a critical time um, within the sort of the next six months because you can't be everywhere. Let's let's face it, you guys can't be everywhere at the same time. So what do the stores need to do above and beyond what they have done in the past um, to make sure that theft is managed? Um, I, I'm going to tend to agree with Veronica. I think, it, I think it's a real test of your, your loss prevention or your profit protection program, actually, and how well you've trained your staff over the last sort of six months um, so that they continue, that it's a, part second nature to them um uh, and we we encourage our stores to share uh, stories and stuff on whatsapp and things like that so i, th- I, I don't know I th- it's a hard question because we want them to continue to do what they've done um previous to all this happening we want them to be vigilant on the shop floor we want them to g- give them the service we want them to you know check bags at the front of the uh, of the store um but we've had to adapt our apprehension processes to 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 um, to incorporate social distancing. So you know we're not uh, we can't apprehend someone and bring them back and sit them in an office and wait for the police. And you can't do that. So um, we've then said you know if you you've got to be mindful if the alarm gates go off, you've got to keep your distance. You've got to try and check. And if if the nobody's cooperating and it starts to become an issue, we're actually telling our managers to back away and let it go. Um, and things like that. So we're having to sort of adopt adopt it slightly, but we're trying trying to keep the teams to do a, a business as normal or business as usual approach because if we try and change it too much, people will just start not doing anything. Mm. Um, and we want to try and keep things as normal, even though things are not normal, we want to try and keep it as normal as possible. Um, and as I say, I said earlier on in the piece, we're starting to our stop take program next on uh, um, the next two weeks. So that will give us a really good indication of what COVID has done to us from a from a shrinkage perspective uh-huh. um and then i'll understand once we've done a few stores we'll start to understand that and i think 
if we do get poor results, it will be because of, you know, as to Veronica's point, it'll be an internal external issue because we've had no deliveries. So yeah. I'm not going to see, I'm not going to see um, an, ex, uh, an administration or delivery loss, whatever you want to call it, because I've had none, no deliveries. So my, my, it will be an interesting point to see whether, well, if that store's never reported incidents, they're not seeing it. Or is it the fact that they'll they all be nicking in the shop? So it will narrow down the causes of the loss. Um, so it will be very interesting to see what impact everything has, whether my loss results go up or whether they go down or whether they stay the same. It will be very, very interesting. And lastly, from a theft point of view, we see a lot of thieves that walk into stores. They've got a baseball cap on and it's low down on their face and, you know, big jackets and things like that. Now we're going to deal with people that potentially are wearing masks across their face. How, Veronica, do you deal with that? We, uh, I, I don't have a problem with any of that stuff um, in apparel and especially in our, within our brands. Um, you know, my little old Margaret that comes in with a, with a face mask, um, she's not going to pose a threat to us. Um, so I think uh, obviously different retailers will have different opinions, but generally in our business um, it's not going to be a, a major issue for us. Mark? I imagine your clientele might be a little bit different. Well, you just described our customers, so um, that, that's that's who shops in our stores. <laughs> to be honest, so we we'll treat them like we treat everyone else, I guess, as a, as a genuine customer I, I, until they're not. Um, and I think it's the approaching, you know, safely, and it's all of the customer service. It's everything we teach our stores to do um, to be able to do to be able to deal with it. And I, and I guess if they start whacking stuff in their jackets um and they decide to run out of the shop you know what can you do we're not going to tell the staff to run after them we can't tell the staff to tackle them um you know it, it's going to be one of those things where we're going to have to then look at you know how would you how do we control our front doors better um how do we increase staffing how do we what do we do do we need a guard i think it's going to be very reactive stage of, of it and I, I'm, I'm not one to like being reactive to be honest but I think we're all going to have to react and adapt very very quickly to what happens on a daily a daily weekly basis to be able to do that. Neil I don't know if you've spoken to any um, police about this aspect as far as uh, retailers getting their CCTV footage and there's someone on it that is stealing that has a mask how how are how is that going to what is that going to look like? Oh, look, I think it's just going to be something that we just have to manage continually on an exception-by-exception exception basis. Um, I mean, it, yes, it is new and it is unusual. Um, it, it will definitely create some issues associated with identifying individuals, etc. cetera. Um, but how much of an issue is it going to be? I'm not quite sure yet. Um, it, it's certainly... Um, as you point out, um, is quite common in the retailer environment at the moment. Um, but I guess time will tell in relation to how much of a problem becomes as it relates to direct criminality. So I really don't have an answer for that at the moment. I can see the potential for risk and, yep, it's, it's, it's similar. It's similar to people wearing a motorcycle helmet into a, into a shop, which we, we see a lot more of these days with all the, the delivery-related activities that are going on. Um, 
Um, so I think it's just something that we're going to have to monitor closely. And um, if it becomes a problem, it may be something that we, we pay more attention to as far as a, a risk identifier. So time will tell on that one. Okay. So, guys, you've made it to the final countdown, the last three questions. I'll start with you, Veronica. If you could look into a crystal ball and know this was going to happen, how would you have pre- prepared for it? Uh, we would have bought hand sanitizers in bulk. You know. <laughs> um, that thing is so hard to find. <laughs> to in bulk. Um, maybe invest in a courier company to um, to cope with the influx of online orders. <laughs> um, so I think what we've um, identified is that you, you know we need to be able to work remotely our business in particular um, have found you know because it was so rapid that everybody had to go home and work from home uh, we had teams that um, couldn't do that couldn't work from home at all um, so I think you know it's important to to have um, to have plans in place to be able to have everybody work remotely um, so yeah that's that's definitely one of the biggies. <laughs> and Mark, what about you? How would you guys have prepared for this? Yeah, I don't think you can prepare for this, but I, I, th- I think it would be um, we were in the middle of a store opening program, so I think we ran out of computers and um, <laughs> posies and, you know, you can't get anything. So it, it, it backs up the entire supply chain. And, and I think if you could look at improving the supply chain or having enough equipment on hand, to be able to, as Veronica says, you know, people work from home. We were scraping around looking for laptops for, for people to go. And, um, you know, and then we couldn't get, you can buy them. You couldn't get them because everybody was doing it. So I think probably just looking at basics of supply chain of equipment, um, positive. We've managed to open a store today. I don't know how we've done it, but we've managed to open a new one today um, as well. So I think things like that, I think, would be quite useful in terms of stocking up on uh, uh, POS equipment because all of this stuff is obviously coming out of China. Yep. And, and then obviously they close down and it just massively affects everything. So having adequate stock of stock in the DC as well because now we're seeing problems with um stores running out of stock um because we've been selling selling it now we can't get the replenishing because other other brand brands that we deal with their supply chains are, are stopped so i think you know having an having look it will focus a lot of retailers now to go back and look at their entire supply chain management that's not a bad position to be in, though, Mark. You've sold all that stock. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty good. To be During fair. a pandemic, <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Unfortunately, uh, I mean, it has created a bit of a tug of war between online and retail because uh, we're trying to get the, the retail team want the stock out of the DC, and the online P team goes, "No, you're not having it because we want to sell it online." So, it's created. A, it, it's a nice problem to have, I guess, in these in these dark times. Mm. And Neil, for you, um, how would you prepare for something for a pandemic or this type of event, if you knew? Yes, I think um, it really just comes back to, I probably talk at a, a, a strategic level, really comes back down to the effective management of um, the crisis management processes and the business continuity planning within organisations, particularly the larger organisations. Um, and as um, we've spoken about before, um, I think this is a really good example of a crisis scenario that probably wouldn't have been the first pick on the list as far as 
likelihood. Mm. And 100% in agree. And in 2020, here we are dealing with probably the most complex thing we've ever had to deal with um, in relation to not only just retail, just society in general. Um, so I think it is a, a, a really good reminder of the importance of crisis management and business continuity planning um, and making sure that um, we're not too narrow in our thinking when it, it comes to building and constructing those strategies. And Veronica, what's the most important thing you've learnt going through this pandemic? Um, I have a new profound appreciation for teachers. <laughs> um, but apart from that, um, you know, uh, I think we need to ensure our systems from in-store and online work seamlessly together because <laughs> I know um, a lot of our um, frustrations have been because, you know, uh, we've had customers who purchased from in-store um, and because all our stores were shut, uh, they had no way of returning their purchases um, all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so making sure our systems are, are streamlined and can actually talk to each other um, and are, are integrated um, is definitely a big lesson. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, what about for you? I, I think it's resilience. I think the, the thing I've learned is, um, you know, how resilient our retail teams are um, and our stores have been um, over the last sort of six weeks and how... Um, um, how resilient my team have been in terms of, you know, everything we've asked them to do, um, they've done without question. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's been, that takes a lot of pressure off myself, I guess, as well. So I think, you know, we've learned, certainly a learned, and I think, you know, from a, and Neil alluded to a little bit there, in terms of profit protection, we've, We've been a bit of a crutch for the for the retail team. They've borne the brunt of it, um, the retail teams, and we've been we've we've been stood side side by side by them and just really helped them through it. And I think that's what we've what we've done. And Neil, for you, what have you learned? What's the biggest learning curve for you? Uh, I still believe that it, it it really comes back to this collaboration piece. And you know, it was it was interesting listening to the views. Um, of the other people um, here on the podcast today just in relation to some of the commentary around um, what's worked well, what hasn't worked so well. Um, and I think that the collaboration piece um, is where that could improve because I guarantee you any business out there is taking really active steps in relation to doing what's right for whether it's their shops or their shopping centres, etc. Um, but sometimes the communication piece of everybody understanding what left and right is doing can sometimes be the downfall. And as a result, we, we, um, we're not informed of, of everything that is actually going on. Um, and as a result, um, we, we have situations that end up not being managed particularly well. So I think the collaboration point is really critical. Mm -hmm. um, I think from a retail point of view, um, you know, certain elements of retail do it extremely well. I'm really proud of how Profit Protection Future Forum does it um, through these podcasts. You know, you can hear from today where we don't have all the answers. You know, we, we, we're, we're learning as we go just as much as everybody. So it's really critical that we're learning off from each other and, and, and not afraid to talk to each other and, and be honest about the challenges that we're facing. Absolutely. And lastly, Veronica, your advice for loss prevention getting back on track? 
Um, I'd be open-minded. Um, be open to doing things uh, you're not uh, used to, just to get you know get your business back on track. Um, like I've got uh, myself and my um, LP manager, who's based here in Sydney, and she's been um, helping the customer care team because of the influx of um, their tickets and queries, um, but just doing things like that, uh, little things like that, that will help help the business um, as well. You know, we need to ensure that the business survives and, uh, you know, our role is not to contribute to, to the loss. So, um, so, yeah, I just think you need to be open um, don't be don't be complacent um, in just because you know you're helping out in other departments maybe operationally but don't don't be complacent in, in your role um, with the LP side of things as well um, there's always something to do and um, agree to completely with Neil the collaboration piece is crucial so always you know reach out to the um, to the other LP managers to us um, to the PPFF you know um, talking to others uh, Will, will help you as well and you know sharing your stories and sharing your experiences um i know i know through talking to some of the other lp managers they've given me some insights on um, what to do what not to do um so that's always important absolutely and for you mark how your advice for getting loss prevention back on track Oh, you know, the guys have put it so well. It's absolutely collaboration, number one. You know, if you don't know something, reach out and ask the question. I think don't be afraid to ask, I think, is the, is the thing. Um, I think um, trying to get back to, you know, help out where you can, add value where you can, support your teams. Be visible in the stores, I think, is actually quite good as well. I know some, some are, some are not in terms of departments, but what we've certainly worked well for us is actually being visible in the stores and, um, being in the stores at the similar time and the managers have really appreciated even if it's a little pop in how's it going what are you up to um, you know that type of visit has worked really well really 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 well so I think that would be my advice to take one day as it comes um, as well and, and just help and support your business as much as possible. Neil? Yeah, um, I've actually been collecting some points on this because I get asked a fair, a fair few of these questions and I've sort of summarised um, my, my views for loss prevention that are sort of um, coming back into the business um, as um, they, they might have been through a closed period or that they, they might have traded through this. So I've sort of broken this down into five, five areas that um, I'll just give you some, some context around. I think it's really important for the, for the loss prevention guys that are, are coming back is that they're really clear about um, their strategy um, as it relates to trading through this period. I think it's a really good time just to go back to um, that total retail loss model and just have a look at the typology and just be really clear about, um, you know, the plans that are in place to manage all those different aspects of, um, of, of the key pillars of the total retail loss methodology. Um, I think it's also really important just for just as from a very basic point of view when the retailers are coming back to trade that they're doing proper inspections of all their physical assets that have been left for some time as it relates to security and loss prevention, whether that be their technology around CCTV, EAS, um, or even just down to the security of their pin pads um, at point of sale um, should all be uh, reassessed before they, they continue to start trading again. I think strategically this is a really important time for IT and LP to actually come 
closer together, more so important than ever before, just as it relates to the amount of issues that we're seeing in relation to fraud risks associated with digitalization and the normal um, issues with fraud that we're seeing um, out there in the, the marketplace as it relates to different COVID-related uh, activities um, that are presenting risk to both retailers and consumers. So I think that's um, really important. I think from a crime point of view, you've really just got to look at the risks that you're associated with um, that are common within your retail areas um, and just be really clear about what's new, what's changed, what's evolving, what's ceased um, and and be really clear about um, that criminality, specifically theft, fraud and crimes against people uh, within the retail area. Policy and process, uh, Veronica talked about um, the, the compliance review programs that exist within stores and looking at new ways that that will have to evolve and change. And I think that um, any of the retailers that have a comprehensive compliance com- program within their businesses will need to reassess that and either look at um, ways that they can conduct those activities better or change process or even write new policies as a result of the issues um, that we're seeing. From a communication uh, point of view and education of the team members, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of work on the retailer's behalf when they, they start having their team members coming back and we're seeing different forms of criminality. So we need to be really clear about the messaging that we're providing and the advice to the retailers on the front line, how they're managing uh, those situations. And particularly as it relates to communication, we're all coming out of a very difficult time and we've probably all had 100 conversations with our suppliers about changes in our business operations. We're not doing this anymore. We've got programs, we've got projects that have ceased. We've, we've, we've been, you know, driving initiatives that have come to a grinding halt. Um, so I think it's really important that... Uh, all the retailers and the LP guys really pick up where they left off with and are really appropriately communicating with their supplier base and their, whether it be their integrators or, or anything like that and just being very clear about where the business is at in relation to their ability to continue with certain projects um, or, or what that might look like uh, within into the future. From a, from a local point of view, um, uh, you know, it, we don't do this particularly well, but I think it's such an important thing to do is just be having that real open and transparent relationship with local policing as well um, and letting them know that we're coming back to trade and things might be different and we're back and we're, we're involved again and, and just having those good relationships with the centre and, and local police as well. Um, and probably the last point that I just wanted to call out is um, for, for the more senior managers that are in involved with um, the crisis management the business continuity aspects is that loss prevention is really clear where they fit in. Um, when they come back and they're starting to interact with the business, um, they may have been really involved, but they may be coming back and now have to get involved. So I think the relationship with, with safety, with the senior management team is critical. And I think loss prevention, we really need to understand what they're going to bring to the table in relation to helping support their businesses through this crisis. It's probably the summary, Nicole. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think that's great advice from all of you. So um, firstly, I just want to thank you all for your time today. Um, I know you guys are really busy, particularly uh, Veronica and Mark getting stores up and running back on track and uh, trying to do business as usual. And I can't even imagine how challenging the last six to eight weeks have been for yourselves personally and for your brands. So good luck with getting your businesses and teams back up and running. To everyone listening, on behalf of the PPFF committee, we hope that your families are well and safe and our thoughts are with all people directly affected by COVID-19. If you'd like to get in touch with Veronica, Mark or Neil, you can find them on LinkedIn or you can email them at the PPFF website. You can subscribe to this weekly podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts and Spotify and there's a link to download episodes and show notes on the PPFF website. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Profit Protection Future Forum. It's written and produced by myself, Nicole Smith and Manu Prasanna and is kindly hosted by Wooshka. In the next episode of Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection, I'll be talking to some of our other committee members about managing theft in an economic downfall. I hope you'll join me next week so we can keep talking all things profit protection. Thanks for listening to Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to find out more about the Profit Protection Future Forum, head to ProfitProtection.co or find us on LinkedIn. Drop us a message on info at ProfitProtection.co with feedback on our show. 